Finally, we are back in studio. I am uh, joined by my co-host, Darren. Darren, how are you? I have not got hard in five weeks, Dan. I know. I've been so flaccid for five weeks. Itching to get hard, mate. I know, and and we are excited, and I know when we said on the live stream on Tuesday that people were excited for it to come back. Um, it's it's I think I think it's a it's a fan favorite. I yeah, so far, and, you know. And shout out to Regan; he's obviously very excited. Regan is very excited. So good job, good job, mate. Um, anyway, we'll just do quick housekeeping. Um, if you like the studio, you know, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all those things. You've already heard it all a million times, I'm sure. If you uh, listen to the Fantasy Podcast, don't forget that it's going into its own feed, or it's already in its own feed, so it'll still go into this feed for the next couple of weeks. We just got to make sure we keep reminding people to subscribe to that feed, because in the next couple of weeks, it will be gone. So even if you don't listen to it, just so you know. Anyway. Um, it's a good one, too. It is good. Lewis and James have done real well. I'm, uh, I think myself and Jay are very happy with uh, how they've come along, and... It's real hard when you first start to get the chemistry, and those two don't actually know each other in real life. I only found that out on Sunday night. Yeah. So, you know, it, they've come a long way. I'm, yeah, I'm definitely. really surprised by And that. I haven't listened to any of their fantasy advice, and I lost my first round of every <laughs> single one of my fantasy teams. So, I'll be uh, tuning in. Thanks, boys. Well, I, I only play in one league also with you, and I did not lose my first. Okay. So, anyway, <laughs> uh, not all of us are losers, DJ. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> shall we get into it? We should. So, uh, we are looking at, as you would know, we're looking at the 2018 Cleveland Browns season, only just premiered. Uh, It was, all in all, a great season. This is probably my favorite season of Hard Knocks. I was really excited by it because, like we all say, we actually were invested in knowing about things. Yes. A lot of storylines that everybody wanted to know. And a lot of, you know, a lot of new things going on there. And... We'll just quick. I'll just quick touch on what happened last year. Um, part of the reason why everyone wanted to see it is because for what the second time in the sixteen games um, history since what eighty seven or whenever it was, uh, a team went zero and sixteen. The Browns being that team, um, and funnily enough, they went four and zero in the preseason. If you were a fan, you'd be like, oh, "This is I'm feeling pretty good." And then they do not win a game. You know, <laughs> I know preseason's not quite the same, but never, never a good feeling. It would be upsetting, actually. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was funny. Um, yeah, so they went zero and sixteen, and the the year before they went one and fifteen. So not, and those were the two years that Hugh's been head coach. So not yep, a Hugh great Jackson start. So Hugh Jackson, we've seen in obviously a few previous head knock series. Yep, um, and he's always been actually a fan favorite. During those hard knock series, as he was an offensive coordinator in one of them, he was a uh, a lineman. No, was he a linebacker coach or was a, a running uh, back coach? I can't remember. Look, we'll get there obviously in the coming weeks. Yep. Um, but so he was that coach for two years. So one win for thirty-one losses. Yes. Very, that is harsh. Very disappointing. Hard to come back from that. But obviously, the organization's got a little faith in him because rather than just fire him after going on sixteen, they're giving him at least. A couple of games into the season, we'll see. They can only go up. They can only go up. And uh, I'm sure if you listen to this in our feed, you already know that they tied. So they've already they've already beaten <laughs> Spoiler last year's... Spoiler for those that haven't watched the last games over last weekend. Uh, last year's record. So yep, anyway. Halfway there to a number one win. So we'll just quick touch on the draft. So they had a pretty successful draft. I I was I, I thought they drafted very well. Uh, so in the first round, as you would know, 
They took Baker Mayfield and Denzel Ward. Uh, in the second round, they took Austin Corbett, a uh, tackle out of Nevada, and Nick Chubb, running back out of Georgia. In the third round, they took Chad Thomas, a defensive end out of Miami. In the fourth round, they took Antonio Callaway, wide receiver out of Florida. In the fifth round, they took Jannard Avery, linebacker out of Memphis. And in the sixth round, they took Damian Ratley, wide receiver out of Texas A&M, and Simeon Thomas, a corner out of Louisiana. Yeah, look, strong draft, but a couple of things that I want to point out from that draft to people yep. listening is that at the number four overall pick, Denzel Ward was picked. Now, we've spoken a lot about this across the Vault Studio podcast around the fact that Bradley Chubb was still there. Yeah, I, he looks good, Ward, but I, I probably still would have gone Chubb. I can't help it. I love my edge rushes. Yep. But in saying that, like that's like if you say it was a strong draft, which it is. You never know. Denzel Ward could be the next big thing. You never like know. Like you said, it could be Harrison Smith, the next it Harrison Smith. Could be. But at this point, I thought that they missed out on a generational star. Yeah. Also, the next thing to note is that Antonio Callaway, picked with 105 overall pick, was actually um, like going to be a first-round pick yep. before he had off-field issues. So, we go through that, obviously, as the seasons progress. So, we'll talk to that. Yes. Yep. So, they got a couple of bargains, really, later yeah. on. Yep. Nick Chubb, that late, I think was pretty good. I thought I thought he was one of the best running backs in the draft. Yeah, and, and really, you know, second round, it's... It's pretty good for a running back because you know you don't want to overpay for a running back by taking them in the first round unless they're a potential a potential generational talent like Saquon. So um, and obviously we don't know if there's any Pro Bowlers for this season because it hasn't happened yet. But you've written note in the Pro Bowl (laughs) section because we have a template for these. And what is your note? My note is Miles Garrett will be a multiple Pro Bowl player. So hear this first from me. Yeah. Yep. Is I'm like basically is that a thing? Because he's a fucking beast. Yes, you can beep that out if you need to, Dan. And you'll find out very shortly that he writes poetry. He does. You'll find that out. Okay. Anyway, that's kind of uh, the background on what we were looking into in the start of this season. So why don't we uh, jump right in with episode one? Let's get stuck in. So episode one, we meet Hugh Jackson straight away. Hugh Jackson being the head coach from the last year as well as this year. Uh, so Hugh Jackson, we find him jumping into the river with a whole bunch of other people, I imagine for charity, and he, you know, then explaining on top of that how he, the two losing seasons happened previously and how obviously he had happy with the Browns organization for putting a lot of faith in him. Yep. We then meet Jarvis Landry in the car. So for those that don't know Jarvis Landry, he was signed to a gigantic contract uh, from the Miami Dolphins where he's now going to be the man, the number one receiver for the Cleveland Browns. So we meet him in the car, but there's no nameplate, the one I watched. So I'm like, I think it's Jarvis Landry because he's, <laughs> he's, he's an interesting character, Jarvis Landry, which we'll find out later on. We move on to meeting Nick Chubb at the airport. Now this, I was in hysterics. So Nick Chubb was standing at the, the luggage carousel. Some random bloke standing next to him goes, hey, did you play college ball of some sort? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I did. And he's like, oh, did you did you play for Georgetown? And he's like, no, no, I played for who, you know, whoever it was. And he's like, oh, cool, cool. Um, so what are you doing here? And he's like, playing for the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> like it was the most uncomfortable yeah. conversation I've yeah. ever seen. And then behind him, you watch 
the number one overall pick, Baker Mayfield, walking up with his posse and there's cameras everywhere. And the Browns sent a representative. The Browns sent someone to meet him. It was probably Nick Chubb standing amongst just the cattle, yep. waiting for his bags and just getting harassed by people. He was taking football. 34 picks later. Well, 34 picks obviously means a lot in Cleveland. Apparently. Apparently. And you, I, don't, you don't get a representative. And I think Nick Chubb felt that. Pay for your own Uber, mate. <laughs> I reckon he might have. You didn't see he him getting. Did, yeah. You didn't see him getting no. to a bus, no. and he did not look impressed yes. whatsoever. And also, no. there was the Hard Knocks camera, three pe- three rows behind, just watching him. I'm sure they could have just walked over and said, "Come on, guys, just leave him be." But you know, <laughs> documentary as it is. And so, we, obviously, like I said, we, we see Baker Mayfield, the number one overall pick. You know, he's grown a beard since the draft day. Uh, and they, then they follow Baker Mayfield. So you see him with his posse. They go back to Baker's room. Now, he's currently sharing with Nick Chubb. Yes. And he shows, like, you know, he's got his posse there. They're all on their mobile phones. They're all millennials. So they're all sitting there looking at their Instagram and their Twitter feeds and those things. And it was kind of nice to see Baker a bit more human. Yes. As well. Like, he's like, oh, if I was Nick Chubb, which bed would I want? And he's actually con- being considerate for what Nick Chubb's wants were. You know what? He probably would have wanted to jump jump into the limo with you as opposed to have to take the bus for two ninety nine. You could just team up. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know. Uh, you can't really tell if they came at the same time, but I assume it was around the same time that they got into the airport. It's kind of like the episode of The Office when the last episode when they um, when Daryl is getting into the limousine and he, see, he sees Andy waiting in line and he decides <laughs> not to let him into the thing. Like, <laughs> Similar to that? Very, very similar to that. It's very similar. It's like, sorry, no, 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 I didn't see you there. There's only there's only three spots. Only yep. three spots in this stretch hummer. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I need the rest of the spots for my bags. I just needed to put an office reference in here. Somewhere. I love it. Now, for people that don't know, at this point, one of the the best wide receivers of the Cleveland Browns is Josh Gordon. Mm. Yeah, Josh Gordon has been, unfortunately, in the past 48 games they mentioned, that yep. he would possibly be able to play in his entire career since being drafted. He's only been active for six, five. Is something like that. Let's look it up. Yeah, so it's a very small amount of time that he's actually been active for any of those games because of off-field issues. So he's had a lot of issues with marijuana. Yes. Um, and obviously, that is one of the illegal banned substances in the NFL. So he's gone... And, six. Yep. It is six, yeah. So he's gone and participated in a rehab program yep. on the off-season, which he actually has come out and said that he did not want to come into the preseason camp because of the media presence. Obviously, thinking that he's going to struggle with that focus and the focus being very negative and he didn't want to make it all about himself. So I thought that was very mature of him. So then after we go from the Baker posse... Uh, the coaches are sitting around the table talking about the fact that Josh Gordon is not coming back yet. At this point, we meet the uh, general manager, John Dorsey. Yeah, so we also meet the B- VP of communications, John, uh, and they all. Th- and then they're separately, apart from the coaches, talking about Josh Gordon as well. I thought this was the next part was one of the coolest parts of the series. We actually got to watch Baker Mayfield sign his initial rookie contract. So he got paid... $21.8 million as a signing bonus. Yes. Yeah, so he he spoke about it and said, oh, $22 million, that's pretty good. And they joke about not spending it all at once and and those things. They ex- <laughs> I found it funny. They actually talk about the exclusions on his contract. So it's all really nice because they're talking about how much money he's getting and how excited they'd have at the club. And then, oh, by the way, uh, you're not allowed to skydive or do anything else. <laughs> Otherwise, you would be uh, in void of your contract. And he's looking at him and going, um, 
would anybody skydive? That sounds pretty <laughs> stupid to me. And they're like, oh, you know, just just in case, just in case. Obviously, they were aware of some of possibly his. He might have some of these more party boy behaviors. And to be fair, I bet a lot of it is boilerplate stuff too. <laughs> just you know, true. Covering like I know some of them have weird things where they can't even play basketball in the off season and stuff like that. But you know, some of it might be like no skydiving might be boilerplate. How Look. much of it though do you think was made to talk about by the producers? Well, the producers like you know let's. Let's bring it up. Let's see what he does. Well, it is reality TV at the end of the day, and I'm sure some of it was, you know, you push up with the drama a little bit. And I felt it because he kind of looked at everyone around the room going, am I being set up? <laughs> like, <laughs> am I supposed to go, oh, no, I wish I could skydive. <laughs> yeah, So, but the cool thing was you actually got to see him sign his contract, and you got to see, like, oh, hear how much he's signing bonus watch, which is ridiculous. Yes. And then obviously knowing that he's not allowed to skydive. So that's good. One of the cool things in camp is that he went and purchased an RV. Yeah. Is it a Winnebago? It looks like a Winnebago. Yeah, it's like a Winnebago. Yeah. <laughs> and he bought it, which now he can pay for because of his signing bonus. And he bought it so that all the QBs in the entire camp can stay there. And that's yep. where they can go to chat. And that's where they can go to have snacks and sleep. And they don't have to sit they don't sleep in the dorms and things like that. It's actually a lot more roomier than I thought. It looked, once they put out the thing, you know, the fancy ones have the extendo bits looked pretty good looked pretty big on the inside he just parked in a random across five spaces in the car park at the brands institute Mate, he's the number one draft pick he can park wherever he wants i think more likely that he can afford to pay the parking fines well i assume that was in their private parking though because remember it's a good way for them to make money a certain player leaves he leaves and he taps out to uh, then the gate opens which we will get to soon yes but yes Okay, yeah, so he's in the Winnebago and it's so funny. He actually gets walked around the Winnebago and it's very entertaining because he's like, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, the guy's explaining to him how you empty the septic tank and all that yeah, sort of stuff. He's explaining all this stuff and he's there going, literally, I was told to buy this RV. Like, can you just give me the keys? <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, buddy. Look, we'll get more into depth with the RV later. The first team meeting... So basically, Hugh comes straight in and says, you know, is, are people ready for this year? Last year wasn't a great time. He brings a an idea to the team about players earning the stripes on their helmet. If you haven't seen the Browns helmets they have, it's an orange helmet with, uh, what, three stripes down yes, the middle of it. Three or stripes. Two white and one brown um, down the very middle of the top of the helmet. Vice versa. Vice versa. One white. One white, two brown. Yep. And he said, you know, you have to earn these stripes, which I thought was going to be like, oh, all you guys who are guaranteed your contracts, you're going to get your stripes and it's going to be mismatched. We find it's not exactly the case, except the poor little guys whose job it is to take them off had to remove a whole bunch of stripes from like 89 fellas' helmets. And it looked really tedious. So I feel bad for them. And if you've never uh, put stickers on a helmet, it's like a special, very thick, uh, sticky sticker so that it can withstand being hit into another helmet. And... You know, you have to use a heat gun and stuff like that. And they need to unscrew the front plate yep, to it, then yes. get the sticker from under the front plate yep. to then re- It sounds like a lot of effort for just a random idea, which is purely... Anyway, you never know. <laughs> if they won the Super Bowl this year, then maybe that's the thing to do. Maybe. So basically, they had that and they look, he mentions that you have to earn them, blah, 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 which is fine. We then meet one of the other, um, I guess, the best draft not draft, addressed uh, acquisitions of the preseason was Tyrod Taylor um, he was picked up from the Buffalo Bills yep and I don't believe they gave them much in, in return 
But he picked up Tyrod Taylor, and uh, so we meet him, and he's actually 29 next Friday. So the age of 29 next Friday as the going to be the starting QB of the Cleveland Browns, and this is the eighth club he's been at. He mentions to Baker Mayfield. He's been to eight clubs. Yep. Now, that is a lot. Mm. You know, that is like the true definition of a journeyman. <laughs> he's been everywhere. I love the fact that after this, we get to have a bit more of a focus on Baker Mayfield. He's really the main reason why a lot of people are watching this. Number one overall draft pick. You get to watch Baker Mayfield go through some reps. He's looking pretty good, but still very, I guess, early on. So still learning the, the playbooks and things. And still, Tyrod's the starter. He shows his foot speed. He runs a couple of um, you know, QB keeps, and he makes a lot, whole bunch of yards, and everyone gets getting a bit excited. <laughs> I found Hugh Jackson giving Baker Mayfield feedback. It was a little bit awkward. Yes. He was holding him around the neck like, I don't know, like intimately. Initially, really close. in the first couple episodes, they're super awkward around each other. Very awkward. They're like, they're like just nervous around each other. Like neither of them wants to not like embarrass themselves in front of the other. It's kind of cute in a way because it is, but also it was kind of rapey. Like <laughs> <laughs> it was literally like you would find two drunk blokes, one guy grabbing the other by the neck and pulling him really close, telling them how much they care about each other. Yep. I felt that, but he was holding with both hands really close saying some random things that didn't need to be that close like he yep. was asking about his routines he was asking about um, you know what time to get to training in the morning have yes. a look at Tyrod you know Tyrod yeah. gets the 5am training he starts 5 at 5 mm-hmm. and so he actually said what time do you get there and he's like oh 7, 8 and he basically gives him a, like you know a reality check from about an inch away from each other so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Whilst holding each other very intimately, saying, you know, maybe yeah. you should look at him. He's a, he's a role model. Um, maybe you should think about your own routines and about doing that. And Baker's like, oh, but he... Like, he started making a few excuses. Yes. And we'll see how that goes, obviously, later on. So, the <laughs> one of the things that a lot of people in the media have been talking about is Carl Nassib. Carl Nassib is a edge pass rusher on defense. And he's a journeyman as well. And he's trying to fight for a position in the, obviously, the defensive line of the Cleveland Browns. They pan to him giving a finance mini seminar to the other defensive linemen about investment and interest. And he starts talking about, I can't even explain it. Like it's, if you put in a million dollars today and then everyone after that, it's an exponential curve upwards of how much you make. And say one million today will end up being seventeen million in seventeen, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so he was trying to explain to a bunch of blokes who really do get given a lot of money, and mm. they don't do the smartest things with it. No. Watch, watch the thirty for thirty broke. Yeah, exactly. If you right. have not Carl Massive will not be it. on that show. No, he will not, unless he's there to educate some people. True. Because <laughs> throughout the whole series, he talks about this. He talks about the interest. He, he talks about yes. things the whole time. One of the things he did mention was that during his off-season, he actually met Taylor Swift randomly. Yes. Which then it's immediately cuts to Hugh Jackson pulling up a very like a photo of him holding Tay-Tay. Yep. Taylor Swift, trouble, trouble. And everyone not laughing. No. Like literally they panned to, they panned to Nassib and he's like, what? And he's like, hey. <laughs> and and <laughs> looks around and gets absolutely donuts from everyone. So everyone's like, oh, maybe not up for joking yet. So Hugh needs to maybe, you know, put some groundwork in first before, yep. before throwing out his zingers. Yep. So we meet the defensive coordinator, Greg Williams. 
for those that haven't met him, he supposedly last year was a very angry bloke and this year he's not. Yeah, okay. So from what I noticed was that he's a very angry bloke <laughs> and he's still a very angry bloke. So he's yelling out trust for like, I don't know, I reckon 20 seconds. He starts yelling out trust um, randomly instead of making points into a defensive meeting. And he makes all the players do 40 up-downs. Pretty, pretty boring. We then get to look at highlights of Jarvis Landry. He's making heaps of one-handed catches, like way more than Odell does in his training routines. Uh, he has a bunch of weird workouts, which are to do with balance and, um, and all of his like, core strength and things. He looks awesome. He brings up uh, like a random punchline called, bless him. Yeah, so he's, he basically says, oh, bless him. Oh, the cornerback, I just beat him. Bless him. Um, I think it's condescending. Yep. I believe it's made to be condescending. Kind of like back in the Cincinnati Bengals with the, you know, child please kind of stuff. So trying to find his own little thing. Yes. I just thought it was very religious. And I was like, I don't get it. Uh, now, we come to a sad part of the camp. So it highlights that Hugh Jackson, the coach, his brother died eight days before camp commenced. Then two days into camp, his mother also passed away. That's rough. That's super rough. Yeah. So within a 10-day stretch, he lost his brother and his mother at the same, basically the same time. Mm. Now, I, look, I had a lot of respect for him, the fact that he actually stuck stuck with it and he kept going. Um, however, I think that he probably would have done him probably the world of good to take some time. Yeah. yeah maybe go and do some family stuff. Whereas yeah. he was coming in and he was, you know, being really strong about it. Um, and a lot of the coaches and everyone else talked about it. And it was a bit awkward at some points. Uh, so like things like telling the coaches they all had their back turned watching highlight tape and he's oh by the way my mother died today and they've all got their backs turned and they're like oh that, that's sad it's like yeah but we just get through it did you see how someone so pulled on this play and I was like oh this, this feels really awkward <clears throat> you know and, one, and then they move on from that obviously pretty quickly one of the things that I did like I wanted to highlight was Josh Gordon sent a message, like a text message to Hugh Jackson, just letting him know, this is my new number and lock me in. Prayers are with you and your family tonight. I'll see you soon. So I thought that was actually really a nice thing of Josh Gordon to also, to one thing, to let him know that he's locking in, he is coming back. Yep. Um, but also to let him know that he's thinking of him and his family. So he's still keeping up with regular news, also keeping up with knowing what the organization's happening yep. around as well. Um, which I actually, you know, thought was a really nice thing for Josh Gordon to be doing. We only meet Denzel Ward very briefly. We're not officially introduced to him. We just see him chatting to other D-backs, basically. Now, after this, Corey Coleman basically is a wide receiver picked up in the first round last year, and he was touted to be a very good wide receiver. Yep. Now, he hasn't really eventuated from that. Could be because he was part of the Browns organization last year who didn't do well. And then this year, he looks slow, basically. And the offensive line coach basically says something pretty rough to him when he missed the ball. Oh, no, no, no. How can you miss? Yeah. Fucking Helen Keller could see that. Like, ridiculous. Yeah, people don't know who Helen Keller is. Helen Keller obviously was well known to be a blind and deaf um, scholar. Yes. And he was making a joke that even Helen Keller could see that, which is a bit rough. And it was on national television and all those things. So Corey Coleman didn't take it very well either because he just constantly got yelled at by the head coach, Todd Haley. We then oh, which we then move on to an in-the-locker-room chat with Jarvis Landry, 
and he has a humongous meltdown about other wide receivers and people are training, not training. So the, the question about people that are hurt, are you actually hurt? If you're missing a leg, I accept you don't train. If, not, if you're not missing a leg, then you need to be playing, you need to be training. He swears a whole bunch and actually this goes on a gigantic rant for about three or four minutes. Yep. I didn't know it was him. Like he was all like pleasant and sweet and happy like literally three scenes ago and now he's just screaming a rant like he's got some sort of issues. And obviously he did. People are injured, not training. It was a good rant. It was a very good rant. It was very, yeah, it just, oh, I thought it was a bit out of character for him from the one and a half minutes of how I knew him before that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but look, it seems to have been working. We then, they, they pan to Landry's girlfriend, so Jarvis Landry, his girlfriend Estrella and, her, and his daughter and their dog. Um, they seem really happy about being in Cleveland and he knows he's locked into a long-term deal. So they're moving in for obviously what seemed like to be good. Um, Baker gets brought up in front of the entire playing group much like every other season we've done and they just say you know tell us your signing bonus and the school you went to and sing a song so he said I went to Oklahoma and for some reason he tells the rest of the playing group that he only got a signing bonus of 7.7 million dollars he was real weird about it too like he like mumbled it under his breath and it was it was weird it was strange it was no, no poker face. Maybe he was struggling to lie to his new best friends. It was just weird because unlike a lot of leagues, the NFL is super open about how much they pay. Well, they could just watch the first episode of Hard Knocks. They could. Look, yeah. $22 million. And he told them all $7.7 million, And he was from Oklahoma, which is true. Uh, and then he starts singing some random country song, which I can't remember. Uh, and which was, you know, a bit boring. <laughs> but the main thing is $7.7 million, he lied and everyone was still cheering about it. So imagine if he actually said 22 million. Yeah. They'd have lost it. We then meet the fourth string quarterback, Brogan Roback. Brogan. Or Broby, as they call him. Yeah, they call him Broby. Now, it starts off by them introducing him and he says, You know, I'm allowed in the RV because he's the fourth string quarterback. <laughs> and so I'm allowed here because I technically am a QB. Although. I'm kind of like their assistant. So he goes and he restocks all the fridge with snacks. Uh, he gets all the drinks. He cleans the place. Oh. He looks like just a little maid basically for this place. One of the things he did do, which I pay respect to, he went to the club nutritionist and he got them to source and find healthy snacks. Yes. So they could their whole fridge could be full of healthy snacks to help them with building protein, whatever else. And straight away, the third string quarterback, um, Stanton. Yes, Drew Stanton. Drew Stanton. Yep. He gets stuck into him about not having proper snacks, and there's hardly any snacks in there. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you're a third string quarterback. Pull your head in. Maybe you need humongous. to go and help. It was a humongous box of healthy snacks, and I'm sure at least one of them would have been tasty. Like I, you know, I get it. Some healthy snacks. Eh. Sometimes you come across them that are pretty good. I'd, pretty cool. I'd like you to bring some in. Okay, I will. Okay, and then I'll eat them and judge them, and we'll have a whole segment All on right. it. What's this snack? Getting food. Getting food. <laughs> yep, getting hard over food, which I think is probably even worse. Um, <laughs> so basically, we, so look, Brogan Broback seems like a really nice kid, uh, and he's quite fun, uh, and he has a really attractive girlfriend. Yes. Which is nice. Good on him. We then meet Christian Kirksey, who's a linebacker. Uh, he actually, he, we find out he plays music a lot. And he used to play drums a lot growing up. And so he goes into a music studio, plays drums, and then they have like a seven to eight minute montage of training with his drumming in the background. Yep. Which I thought was, you know, very artistic of him, but not really helping us whatsoever. 
William McGuinness comes, so he's like a Hall of Famer, edge rusher. Uh, he came and guest started giving rushing advice to Miles Garrett on camera. Yep. And Miles Garrett's like, yeah, okay, no, I know how to, I know how to rush. And he's like, you know, if you put your arm back here, and he's like, yeah, I get it. I respect yeah. you because you're old. But um, have you seen me play? <laughs> Miles Garrett. Well, I could give him advice too, and he probably would probably would take it on just as nicely. After this, we have um, coaches argue about injured players suiting up. It doesn't feel to me that the actual uh, they weren't sinking. Like the coaches weren't sinking whatsoever. No. It felt like all the coaches were talking about something differently. And then Hugh Jackson had no control over the table. He tried to bring it back to say, oh, you know, I'm the head coach. I decide how we're going to do this. And this is how I've decided it. And the, the other coaches just talk over him. Yeah. And they repeat their statement like, I don't respect you whatsoever. And that's what's concerning me is that they're showing a lot of disrespect to the head coach. At this point, he's grieving doubly over. So I felt really bad for him. Yeah, no, I, d- I didn't like that that part either. Um, I thought it was a bit a bit weird. Yeah, okay. So at this point, after that, Hugh Jackson gets up and he talks to the whole team about, obviously, his recent losses. He thanks for being supportive. It's a really nice moment. They all come up and give him hugs and things like that. After this, they have the interclub scrimmage, which is nice. You get to see some of the more, obviously, the play styles of Tyrod and Baker. They both look really good. Landry makes a one-handed catch. Um, they have Tyrod's 29th birthday. They'll sing to him in the, in the huddle. I felt like it was a bit awkward. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't really wanting to. Um, and then, we obviously, uh, Christian Kirksey comes up when he, he talks to the defense and the whole team about having a why they play. And writing that why on a piece of paper, they can stick on the wall. So the first thing they wake up in the morning when they're feeling things are hard, they actually can see why they play and reminds them. So that's a bit of mindfulness, which I thought was quite nice. Yep. Um, and then at the end of the episode, basically there's a montage of music, defensive coordinator saying something that, look, to be honest, the defense, he's just an angry unit. Yeah, Greg Williams. It, uh, there was fuck in there somewhere, I'm sure. I don't know. Maybe it was like multiple... Like, he's just an angry, angry man. He needs to take blood pressure tablets. He's a a cheater. (laughs) Yeah, well, exactly right. So, that's how episode one ends. So, sorry, that took a little while. But just a bit excited to meet all of our new stars. And that's the one where they introduce everyone. Exactly right. They introduce everybody. You get a lot of information in that first episode. So, second episode starts with us meeting Corey Coleman in his massive shoe collection. Like, he has so many shoes. He has over a thousand but he had like they were lined up along hallways of his house. It was insane. Like he's got nowhere to put them. It was, and the best part was they were color coordinated. I loved it. Were they really? You, you didn't notice that they were all according to color? No. Yeah, they were according to color. Well, look, he has an issue. I'm just gonna put it out there. Uh, and also, doesn't have enough feet. <laughs> like if he wore one pair of shoes for every day of his life, he would still have half of his shoe collection left. He should start giving some of them away. If you're listening, Corey, sorry. He does say in that bit he's gonna give some away. Oh, that is good of him. Yes. But also, the wide receiver coach, after the next day, they show him and he doesn't make a catch. He says, the coach yells out, well, how about you find a pair of shoes that work and don't fall over? Yep. Which I thought was rather funny. I think I lolled at that point. Just knowing your player. Yep, knowing your player. Uh, look, at this point, he looks slow. The coaches are getting on his back. Corey Crumman's obviously not coping well because after this, they pan straight to him running into Hugh Jackson in his office. And he said, you know, he wants to know why he's running in the second team. And so his quote is, if y'all don't want me to play, why don't you just trade me? Now, he was crying during this. Yeah, he was tearing up. Yeah, he was tearing up and he was so upset. Mm. Whereas when he was playing, he wasn't making catches. 
yeah, and he right. wasn't trying hard and he wasn't doing the things he was asked to do. So I don't understand why it's, what he's talking about. But also it could be the media aspect of it. At this, straight after that, Corey Coleman got traded to the Buffalo Bills for a late round pick. So he got the seventh round pick for 2020 in exchange for Corey Coleman, which and isn't very much. No, and there are a couple of players, can't remember which ones, they point out that that's basically just take him off our hands for something. Basically, yeah. And like, they, you they can't give a player it. away for free, obviously. No. So, And they will talk about it afterwards. And then as of right now, he's no longer playing for the Bills either. No, he is at the Patriots. He got signed for the Pats, like, what, a month, not even a month later? 18 hours ago. So, at this point, that puts the Browns short two receivers. Josh Gordon isn't there. Corey Coleman has just been traded away. And so, they mention who can we bring in, and Des Bryant gets mentioned. So, Des Bryant just got, obviously, released by the Dallas Cowboys at the end of last year. And they obviously talk about, then, who else they can, who else they can have. And they have this young kid, Antonio Callaway, who ran a 4.3 40-yard dash. And he's looking to make a name for himself. So they go to him and say, look, you're the man now. You're jumping in. You're the third string receiver. You're the third receiver. So starting third receiver. And at this point, he looks terrified. He looks, yep, absolutely. And do you know why? Because the night before, he got picked up by the police for THC use, so marijuana use and possession, and for driving without a license. And he hadn't told the organization. Buddy, buddy, buddy. You got to call him. So literally, if I got told I was in the starting team, I'd be stoked. Yep. He looked terrified. And they literally panned for 20 minutes showing how terrified he looked. And the coaches all know. They don't know that he what happened, but they constantly show show him getting asked by the offensive coordinator Todd Haley and um, by Hugh do you have something to tell us yeah tell us honestly do you have something to tell us and he just flat out lies to them constantly yep so that'll come back to bite him shortly we then meet David Joku who is a tight end he was a first round pick last year in the 2017 draft and look he's a beast look they showed he's just so big he's so muscular jealous he's shredded uh, look, he spends a lot of time on his own, does this guided meditation thing, which I thought was rather cool. Uh, and they actually, he said they have a meditation guy on the team. So there's a bloke who's, that's his job. Which doesn't surprise me that they do because just quick sidebar, one of the first teams to embrace this new GPS technology that they all are using now was the Browns. Hasn't helped them much, but it doesn't surprise me that they do, you know, all oh, these could, alternative The GPS things could have shown they were going nowhere. Yeah. It could have, but yeah, they were one of the first ones to sign up with um, Zebra Technology, who's okay. one of the providers. So you might find that they're willing to more engage in some of those exploratory stuff, yes. which is good. And he seems to be working well from it, except straight away they pan to the fact that he missed a hell of a lot of catches and he just kept missing catches after catches after catches. And every one of the coaches and the team members are giving crap for it. And they were asking about, does he work the jugs every day, which is those, the, obviously, the auto ball throwers. Yep. And they had to throw him, like the coaches make him catch 30 balls a day before he goes in every day. Yep. Um, but that just highlighted how shredded he was. Because he does it topless, which is... Does it topless. Oh, he's so fucking shredded. Oh, he's, he's jacked. He's so jacked. After this, they have more Baker, hi- Baker Mayfield highlights that he's starting to get in early and study. Like he, obviously, like he's, he's a mentor tyrod, which yep. is nice. Uh, he sounds very mature in his press conferences. I've gained a lot of respect for him at this point. Um, after this, Tyrod takes the coach's shot aside and shows the walking camera and shows the things that aren't good enough in training. Hugh takes his advice. Interesting that he had to get advice from his new QB. Yeah, this is another one after the end of the last episode, was it, where we had the coaches sitting around and then you've got this one where 
you know, the starting quarterbacks giving the coach advice. It's just, it's a weird situation in, in Cleveland with this coaching staff and Hugh. It's just weird. It was bizarre that he had to get a, he's been a coach. He hasn't been a head coach, but he's been a coach mm-hmm. in other organizations. And he, the entire Taylor goes, look, you know, come on. Use the camera to show the footage of the blokes walking around. And he's like, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. I think I will. And then he did. They showed the next scene. He did. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is that just randomly Tyrod said that and he just was already going to do it? I'm hoping so because otherwise that's pretty poor. Plus, you know, if he, he's aware of them walking. So, you know what you do? You're the head coach. You yell at them. You make them run laps. You do punish them. Yeah. Greg Williams can't just yell at everyone. No. We probably actually he probably could, and he probably, probably did. He could, and, and he and he, he does. Did. Yeah, we saw that quite <laughs> a lot actually. Um, so after this, we get to meet Tyrod's dad. So Tyrod Taylor, we meet his dad. Uh, we meet Jarvis Landry's daughter again. His girlfriend comes to camp. After this, we see like a bit of an interlude where Miles Garrett he writes poetry, and he always has written poetry. Supposedly, he writes it daily. Um, he says he's done it from early years of high school, long before football. He mentions that Muhammad Ali was a poet. So obviously, he found his motivation from some other sporting stars. However, it seems very depressing. Listening to some of his poetry, I'm like, oh, man, that is deep. Like, Yeah, it was deep stuff. Real deep. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it was over my head. Uh, and a lot of the blokes in the club actually ask him to write poetry about, like, sacking QBs <laughs> and, like, all this, like, fun stuff. And he's like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so, he'll write, like, more depressing stuff. And they're like, okay, we won't ask anymore. Yeah. <laughs> After this, Callaway, Antonio Callaway mentioned before, all of a sudden his uh, police contact comes to light. Yep. He has a conference with the general manager and the coach. Um, and he mentioned that oh, he found an old roach. So an old roach is an old used um, joint, joint of marijuana. Yep. And he found an old roach and he used that. And I'm like, I just do not believe you whatsoever, dude. Like you've just lied constantly and this is another lie. So pull your frigging head in. Yep. Uh, and the, but they both sounded more just disappointed. You know, the disappointing parent act. Like, yes. And I, I felt, it. I, yeah. felt it. I felt upset for him and embarrassed for him. Uh, he comes up, obviously, to the team after this and apologizes for his not acting professional behavior. However, they're sticking with him. He looks good. Like, physically, he mm-hmm. looks like he's a talent. Jeez. And we've just seen what the cheater has done over the weekend. And Joe, piece of crap, um, Mixon has done over the weekend. And yep. obviously, the people are still wanting to give these guys a go. If you're talented, there's certain thing and having THC or marijuana possession and driving on a suspended license. If you're a good player, that's not gonna get you cut from a team. No, so but just still be smarter. God. Just tell them about it. That, yeah, that's or, what they're or there just for. get drafted to a team that there's marijuana's legal. So it's then true. they're not gonna get picked up by police if true. it's legal. It's, come on, guys, be smarter. Uh, we meet a crowd favorite after this, Devin Kajust. He is a tight end, undrafted. He's been cut twice this preseason by other teams already. Yep. So it was noted by the coaches. He catches the ball well, runs high. It looks like he's got. He gets lost during special teams, and he doesn't block very well. This is the very first episode for the first week of camp. Uh, he and his dad have this weird ass whistle to each other. They're literally whistling to each other like they chirp, like birds. Yeah, and it's not like the same whistle. They've got different whistles to each other, like like they're communicating, like a language. It is bizarre. They look. They're literally like hill people. Lovely though, like I actually really, really liked Caduce. I thought he was one of the best characters that we've seen in one of these um, yes. seasons so far. He and his dad have a really special relationship. His dad had three heart attacks, a stroke, um, and basically we get told during the season that he has to go and have open heart surgery. So look, he's the sad story for the thing. You want him to make this really bad. You do, yep. Uh, 
After this, obviously, Broby gets talked about. They want to see if he's got anything. Like It's looking very unlikely. Carl Nassib continues to talk about finances um, as he does. Uh, first preseason game, Giants versus Browns. My Giants. Sorry, that's the penalty, isn't it? <laughs> no. um, Landry and Baker Mayfield both go up specifically to say g'day to Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham looks a bit distracted, but you know they have to have that for the film. Uh, the whole So Callaway, because of his indiscretions, he has to play the whole game every single down on offense. Yeah. The whole game, that's his penalty. He that's... looks gassed. Three-quarter time, he looked like he was spewing on the sideline. He looks gassed. To me, that's not really a penalty. This is a guy that's on the cusp. So, I, you know, good for him. He's getting the opportunity to play every down. Everyone's begging to get more downs, and yeah. his penalty is to get every single down. If, yeah, you were exactly. like a, if you were a fourth or fifth string wide receiver at that organization and you're desperately wanting it, you'd be pissed off. Mm-hmm. You'd be, you know, planting roaches in his car. Uh, basically, after this, Tyrod, uh, he, he you know, throws a whole bunch of passes to Landry early. And it was great. They look really good. Also, could just be the Giants starting days crap. Uh, and both sets of offensive runs, both Tyrod as well as Baker and in a Tijoku, sorry, Injoku touchdown. So it looks really good. Although, as a Giants fan, Eli Apple was targeted the entire time and he is crap. I'm sorry, sorry, Eli. Um, I think my comment was he's uh, just as useful as a condom with a hole in it. <laughs> sorry about that, buddy. Uh, after this, so we see Callaway exhausted. D-coordinator has an absolute bit um he's a very angry man Devin conduced you know he hurts his shoulder he shows a lot of courage and he keeps playing he shows that he's trying to try trying harder he's listening to all the advice he possibly can uh and look basically the browns win 20 to 10 yep and we can see at the end of the game landry changes his jersey with obj um <laughs> at the end des tweeted john dorsey saying he's coming to visit so everyone gets a little bit excited uh, and I find it interesting this season that all the end credits are all behind the scene shots. Yeah, this is different. And one of the things I was going to say, um, and we'll just say it now, is I felt like this was shot a lot differently. Like Very. there was a lot of different, they've, they've taken some new liberties. Maybe it's a new director or coordinator or editor or whatever, because it's, it's, it's a different feel, this one. It feels more artistic. Yeah, yeah. A lot of things a bit more meaningful. And they always they still have the shots of the montages of, you know, grass Cows and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> they still got that. But a lot of the other stuff, um, they've got a lot more of the shots of, like, players running and the camera kind of following them and stuff mm. like that. And Lots it, more it musical montages A lot well. more of those, yeah. It just feels a bit different. And not in a bad way, actually. I, I, I This is probably my favorite season. And not just, you know, recency bias but i just think it was really well shot well i found the end of every show was really cool with the behind the scenes like you saw baker chatting with the head official like the head official actually explaining to him like if i whack my fist or whatever it's saying that the commercial's done yeah so you've got 30 seconds from there yeah i'm like i didn't know that no i know that was cool yeah, that that was really cool mm. we got to see you know hugh jackson going and saying hi to um, obj which i didn't know they knew each other and, and the d quarter nader not being a sea bag <laughs> is my note so rare side that's the end of episode two. Episode three. Country music star Brad Paisley is at camp. I knew the name, couldn't name any of his songs. Baker's asking people <laughs> whether they know any of his songs. Uh, Jarvis Landry is like, actually surprisingly knows some of his songs. Apparently at um, whatever college he went to, I can't remember, uh, they used to play it in the, the um, locker room. So there you go. Um, Paisley and John Dorsey are talking about 
Baker. Paisley says that uh, Baker reminds him of Brett Favre, and Dorsey quickly shuts that down and says, "You've got to earn that sort of thing." You know, not not in a rude way, but just kind of like you know, well, it's a big call. You got to earn that sort of stuff and keep his head the right size. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, we find out that Paisley's been a fan since the third grade. Um, he must be from around there or something like that. I don't know. Um, he gives him a quick pep talk, and then he breaks down the training. Uh, players obviously go and meet with him after, and um, Baker's one of the last guys to go over, and Paisley asks him about the RV. And uh, Baker says, he says, well, you know, can I can I see the RV? Am I allowed in? And Baker goes, well, we can make an exception to the rule for you and let you in. So Paisley gets to go into the RV. I think that's, that's wrong. I agree. Breaking it, the rule. That shows not great leadership. If you're going to make a rule, you're going to stick to it. You're going to stick by it. What, what if he steals the good stacks? I agree. Anyway, that's where we find out that the mm. RV is actually rented. And he's wondering if they're going to sign it or something when they give it back. And do you think that the company will uh, sell it for more money because you've had it or something? And and uh, um, Baker's like, yeah, that probably be something that'll happen. You know? Yeah, why not? <laughs> he doesn't seem like he cares too much. <laughs> uh, up next, we see uh, Brogan and um, his girlfriend, Allie Goff. No relation to Jared Goff. I already Googled it. Um, <laughs> they're at a zoo, and they're kind of getting a walk around. They're on like one of the guided tours sort of thing, and they're kind of talking about how they met each other. Anyway, because it's 2018, Brogan met Allie by sliding into her DMs on Instagram, which, you know, that's notable. Good, you know, yeah. good for him. Bit um, of confidence. Yep. Ellie's not bad on the eyes either. She's very good looking. She's quite attractive. And she's smitten with him. Those two are very in love. I'll just point that out. Yep. Follow her on Instagram at, at Ali Maria, double A. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> so they're talking about the game that weekend. It's a home game. And he's from Toledo, which is about an hour and a half, hour, oh, hour and a half, two hours away from cleveland so he's talking about how he's got tons of friends and family and he's hoping to get some game time because they're coming up next uh we see taylor uh tyrod taylor is prepping for the game now this is several times throughout the series we switch how we're saying tyrod because at this point is where he he is told he tells the media that it's actually pronounced tyrod not tyrod but that his Mom just calls him by his middle name, but his dad calls him Tyrod. And then later on in episode four or five, he tells Troy Aikman that it's pronounced Tyrod. So I'm just going to go with Tyrod because Tyrod is just it's weird it's, to say. It's weird to say. I like Tyrod more. Like someone with a speech impediment? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, we'll just go with Tyrod because yeah. that's what everyone seems to say. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, we get to see a bit more of financial advisor Carl <laughs> Nassib, just uh, kind of montage sort of stuff, not anything major. I just thought, put in these financial advisors. Every single episode. <laughs> Every single episode, there's something. It, um, up next, we've got uh, Jarvis Landry. He's getting annoyed with cornerback Terrence Mitchell. Mitchell's just kind of holding a bit and, and talking shit, according to Landry. We don't hear it, even though they're both mic'd up. Uh, so Jarvis goes for a kind of a screen sort of catch and as he kind of catches it mitchell gives him a bit of a push behind the back and he he falls over like oh, that's fine that's kind of a tackle it doesn't matter mm-hmm. anyway jarvis gets up and throws the football right at his head hits him square in the helmet and punches get thrown and you know there's a basically you know 20 guys all jump in and they're they're actually not punching each other like they're pulling those two apart um it's very childish it was a bit childish and jarvis is just you can just tell he's just losing his cool out there a bit and we saw that last couple episodes, you know, he's just 
You just take a couple steps back, take a couple breaths and stuff like that. Anyway, uh, the media asked Baker about what's going on, and Baker basically tells the media, this is what the team needs to get better. This is this is what you do. You get competition, and then they cut to the next scene where Baker is uh, meets with Jarvis, and they're kind of on the sidelines during in-between plays, and Baker says to him, like, do you want us to go sort out Mitchell for you? We can get the gang of orange, referring to all the quarterbacks, <laughs> and go sort Mitchell out for him. <laughs> Well, pretty good. Very intimidating. <laughs> Very intimidating gang of orange. You don't let it hit the quarterback, so <laughs> exactly. they can do whatever they want. Exactly. Uh, then we get, my favorite part of the series, my wife's favorite part of the series, we meet Moose. Moose is the office dog. Moose lives in the office. They have in their office complex, he's like a brown lab or a, uh, like a brown chocolate lab or whatever. He's, he's a bit overweight, I will say. He must get treats all the time. Well loved. Well loved. He lives in the office, and he gets free reign of the complex. So they show him. They kind of follow him around for 20 minutes, wherever He goes wherever he wants, and there's people playing with him and stuff like that. He's a cute dog. He still walks around a fair bit more than the offensive line coach. Uh, Bob Wiley. Well, good good cue. Up next, we meet Bob Wiley. Uh, did you do that on purpose? <laughs> okay. No, I didn't. Nice. I just didn't read the next line. <laughs> So we meet Bob Wiley. Uh, Bob Wiley's offensive line coach, and he is, let's put it mildly, he's a little overweight. The way we meet him is he's talking about how his favorite part of the day is when they stretch. And he likes that because he gets to sit down for 10 minutes. And then he says this. Stretch is way overrated. Did you know World War One, World War Two, all those guys that fought in that war, right? They did push-ups. Jumping jacks, sit up, climb the rope, and ran. But none of this fancy shit. Okay? Right? And they won two world wars. Two world wars by doing jumping jacks, push-ups, and sit-ups. Two world wars. You think they were worried when they're running across Normandy about fucking stretching? Are you kidding me? Huh? Well, let me see. Give me my rubber band so I can stretch to run across that fucking beat. You got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, um, those are interesting thoughts. I'm not sure that playing football could be quite compared to running the beaches at Normandy, but... No, but you do hear someone in the background yelling out, oh, I'm sure that someone pulled a hand. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, interesting thoughts. Fair he's enough. An interesting human. But he is. He, he's, he's good value. He is good value. Um, value. Then there's a quick training montage, and I just wanted to point out that in the offseason, the only reason I want to mention this training montage is because in the offseason, there was the changes to how you tackle quarterbacks. And this montage just shows them doing track tackling dummies and doing a spin as they tackle. Because you the can't crocodile roll. You can't land on a quarterback anymore. You have to get off of him. And and I thought that was interesting that they showed how they were doing it. So they have like a pad, you know, like a normal pad at the bottom where they tackle the standing one and then they roll into the pad sort of thing so they they're trying to learn to to move their body weight crocodile roll as you said hmm. and you know i just thought it was interesting to uh well, it's funny because the seattle seahawks have been doing that for a very long time yes already and that's just how they teach their players to roll yep or to tackle i should say uh up next we are introduced to nate or nate orchid uh orchard Orchid? What I think I think it was orchid they've said orchid, in the last yeah. episode and uh his wife megan um or megan uh his wife makes she started it last season, and she makes cookies every single week during the season. The cookies look dynamite. I want, I want me a wife that make me cookies every week. They look fantastic. So she makes enough cookies each week to bring into the office for all the players, and that makes him a very popular player on there. Is you know buying his way onto the team maybe? And oh, he's he'd buy his way onto my team for sure. 
Up next, the the eagle has landed, if you will. Des Bryant is in Cleveland. So he arrives at the airport. Somehow somebody knows he's going to be there, and some guy meets him on the escalator with a Browns helmet and gets him to sign the Browns helmet. Dude hasn't even signed any. He's not a Brown yet. What are you doing? It is a way to try it again. Anyway. <laughs> As, as we all already know, he's not he's not at the Browns. So is that guy going to sell that helmet? Is that worth anything now? Surely. He probably rubs it out and gets the next random person coming off a plane Just to a sign bit it. Of, uh, what, Metho or something that, like or that? Or if he know? actually flies with Dez and gets him to sign it, whichever, whichever place he goes Could to. Be. We see Dez walking around the whole building. He even walks into the radio station that's there. They're live on air. Just walks in and just like announces himself to the, the hosts and stuff. He is shaking hands with everyone, and I'm like, he genuinely thinks he's getting signed, doesn't he? Like he's but he thinks he's getting signed to like a franchise tag or something. He thinks that he's actually a king when he walked in. Like he, LeBron left income days. So anyway, he's very casual. He's got headphones on, which I noticed. Uh, the thing with the headphones is, I reckon the headphones he was wearing those a product placement because they had a hashtag on them that was perfectly placed for the cameras most of the time. Nothing against that. You get your dollars. Nothing against that at all. If that's what he was doing, I just thought one of those things that I noticed. What was is the hashtag? It was hashtag SEF or something. Like, I assume it's the company or something. But yeah. And maybe it's on all of them. I don't know. But anyway. Sneaky. They were prominent throughout. Snakey. Uh, him and Hugh finally sit down after he's double-checked where all the you know closets are and where everything is. Absolutely everyone in the entire facility. Exactly. And they're, they seem to be on the same page. Um. They're very uh, understanding about what Des can offer to the team. Hugh seems interested. Des seems interested. Um, and then up next, that's about it for that. And he, we see uh, the uh, Liv Schreiber tells us that you know they're they're at home this week, but they're going to treat it like a normal home game, and so they're going to stay at a hotel for the the game. And all the players come up with their cars to the valets and uh, Bob Wiley shows up in his white Maserati. That's uh, a little small the for off, him. The offensive line coach, Bob Wiley. <clears throat> he's, he's pretty big boy. And that's a very small car. Um, very low to the ground. I saw. Yes. So he then tells the valet this. Hey, no Ferris Bueller shit now with this thing. Okay. Okay. I got All right. You. No yeah. Ferris Bueller. <laughs> we learned our lesson. <laughs> uh, yeah, fair call. Fair call. Yeah. You never know. Um, In the background, they said, "Yeah, we've learned." <laughs> good, good, good by you. <laughs> uh, game day against the Bills. Um, so, well, like I said, uh, they have a meeting before the game, as they often do with the analysts. And this is where Tyrod says, "Going with Tyrod, not Tyrod." So I don't know. The same episode. Yeah, it's bizarre. Anyway, they're warming up. And Josh Gordon lands in Cleveland from, I think he was in Miami on the offseason. Not Why not? Say, but somewhere. Somewhere warm. The defense plays really well in the first quarter. No first downs. And Nate Orchard plays phenomenal, sort of. He is right next to the QB to get a sack like nine times. Just can't quite close it out. But that's good. That's pressure. But he got, he got an arm on the QB as QB was throwing a ball, which just ended ha- happened to end up in a touchdown. Yes. Like basically hit the QB's elbow for more velocity yep. to get to the receiver, which is really sad. <laughs> it was sad. but um, And then the other thing that they point out is they're just getting called for penalties like crazy. That's basically the only thing that's like 
keeping them down is just penalties. Second half, we get second-string quarterback Baker Mayfield. He's up. Uh, Devin Kajus steps up. He gets a big 27-yard catch, and um, then they move it all the way to their own three. Uh, they make a touchdown, and Kajus held. He held the guy, and the touchdown gets called back, and they have to settle for a field goal. And that's just a killable offense. Like, as for that, an offense that you for, don't get for, you don't get forgiven for that. For a guy that's been cut twice already in preseason, this is not a good sign. And believe me, the guy who scored the touchdown will remember. Oh yeah. Um, penalties. They get more. That's what I mean. They get more penalties, and the Browns end up falling to the Bills, nineteen to seventeen. While all of this is happening, Josh Gordon kind of seems like he landed and went straight to the team facility and he's in there with the strength coach because all the shots from outside into the facility it's all dark out so i assume it's during the game so he's working one-on-one with the strength coach he looks fantastic anyway that's the end of episode four yeah which Uh, then leads four well three which then leads to episode four and it's a good leeway straight in because straight away the coaches talk about how josh gordon can't train until they're convinced his body is healthy healthy enough to train now i'm convinced his body is healthy enough to train dude is he's fantastic we covered him on the other podcast he's he's oh he's big big boy uh very very muscular Uh, I like the part next that Hugh Jackson actually speaks at a press conference and gets asked directly when Baker Mayfield is going to start taking first team reps. And I've liked, I really like that he backed in Tyrod Taylor here and he actually said Tyrod Taylor is our starting QB and He's, Baker will not be taking first team reps. He's like, I don't know how many more times I can say this. Yeah, and he said it, he said it very, I thought, very yeah. assertively for Hugh Jackson, which was I'm good. I'm sure he heard about it later more and more. Yeah. <laughs> You yeah. know how the press is. Fake news. Fake right? news, hey? Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag big man. Big man that looks like an Oompa Loompa with a, a uh, wig on. Sorry if you're listening to this, President. <clears throat> I know you I know you do. So after this, we have a bit more about Mayfield. You know, they look, he's about learning footwork, learning um, playbooks, and he's doing a bit better. He's having a few more press conferences. We look at a bit of the mentoring between Jarvis Landry and the new wide receiver, Antonio Callaway, having all the off-field issues. He starts mentoring in meetings, and this is actually a pretty good sign already for his development. Yep. I found it interesting that Hugh Jackson was uh, teasing uh, Miles Garrett in team meetings. But the interesting part was more that no one was laughing. No. I found that this throughout the whole series Mm. is that Hugh Jackson, I think we mentioned it previously, Hugh Jackson is a player's coach. Yes. And he really wants to be liked by the players and, and things like this. Throughout, like he's So many jokes just fell to deaf ears throughout the entire series, whether that was just a bad audio thing. Yeah. But it looked like a lot of the times he was trying to tease people, they just felt teased. Yep. Um, which isn't great. So one of the things that highlights this once again is during one of the, um, the training sessions, they put on an old music song in the background and Hugh Jackson yelled out to turn it right up. It's like an old jazz song. Yeah, it was an old one. And Bob Wiley, our, our favorite offensive line coach, screams across the field, cut that fucking music off. <laughs> like the point where people are worried that he's going to just keel over and die because he's so angry about this music. I thought it was interesting that... Uh, Sorry, that was the head coach that asked for that music, Bobby. <laughs> After this, we look a bit more about um, that Kajust, one of our favorites for the season. Uh, he's getting a lesson from the tight end coach. 
Uh, and he actually seems to be listening a lot. And Fels and, and Joku, they're all giving a lot of mentoring towards him because they want him to get better. And he looks like he's getting better at blocking, yep. which is one of the biggest things that they struggled with him. They move on to, I guess, one of the team meetings. And the very first thing that Hugh Jackson, once again, being a very funny bloke, pulls up the photo of Baker Mayfield standing next to a tiger, topless in front of a car. Yep. And everyone has a bit of a giggle. Baker Mayfield doesn't really crack a smile. He goes, yeah, what of it? <laughs> and Hugh Jackson's kind of like, um, <laughs> 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 moving right along. <laughs> I guess after this, they move into the player review, the rookie review. Yeah. So they, you know, they use Jarvis Langry's ang- angry outburst, and they use that, and they superimpose. Obviously, like, like don't superimpose. They pretend to be him. Yeah, one of the rookie wide receivers does an impersonation over it, like they dub it, and it's. Yeah, he speaks over it. Yep. Yeah, which is absolutely hilarious. So look into that if you haven't actually had time to watch the series. They highlight Nasib's financial lesson as well yep. and do very similar things about people educating each other on money, which is absolutely hilarious too. They have um, Todd Haley about giving lessons, Greg Williams yelling for a block, and then they both argue with each other and they both spit their dummies and throw each other's um, you know whistles at each other. It was pretty funny. The best part of the entire um, rookie review was Baker Mayfield impersonating John Dorsey, the general manager. Yep. And, the, you know, a draft day, they're picking up Baker, uh, wears the same clothes, he wears his pants very high, chew- constantly throwing chewing gum in his mouth Yep. Um, and talking very much like John Dorsey does. John Dorsey's in the room and he's laughing. Yes. But supposedly, I read the other day on the news, could be fake news, you never know, um, that John Dorsey didn't really like that, that he actually thought it was a bit disrespectful okay. <laughs> and had that chat afterwards with Baker. So... Not very funny, Baker, but at home, I found it absolutely hilarious. So at this point, we have a bit of a battle. They talk about how Nassib, Carl Nassib and um, Orchid, what's his first name? Um, Nate. Nate Orchid uh, are you know fighting for this one spot. Um, Carl Nassib loves his conspiracy theories within the government. Mm-hmm. And so they're obviously talking about that. They then move on to highlight Orchid's missing two sacks during that season preseason game, as you mentioned. We move into, from here, there's the Fox Sports News panel. Troy Aikman's obviously the main player in that, asking Baker and Tyrod about how they feel about being back up to starting, how they feel about the preparation for the entire year. And both Baker and Tyrod took this interview very maturely, I thought. Yes. Baker answered some pretty hard questions very maturely and obviously threw it straight back saying, no, I trust the organization and I love standing behind Tyrod. I'm learning so much and all these things. So I thought that he was very mature in that. And Tyrod was once again referred to as Tyrod, not Turod. Yes. After this, they have their, their third preseason game, Eagles versus the Browns. Um, you know, Josh Gordon finally comes home. He gives his gloves at the start of the game to two little kids. Yeah, that was nice. Oh, that was really nice. But they were wrapped. They, they were, were so, so excited. But mm. it's the start of the game. Did he bring spares? <laughs> I assume he has enough gloves. My very first, <laughs> literally my very first thing was, I wonder if he has spare gloves or he has to go borrow someone else's <laughs> gloves now. Obviously, very weird. <clears throat> Broby, obviously our Brogan Roby, introduces himself to Aaron Andrews and he was so chuffed. He goes, oh, I had to go and introduce myself to Aaron Andrews and I was like, I'm Broby. And she's like, yeah, I know who you are. And he was like, oh my God, she knows who I am. And he was like a little kid. It was really nice. Throughout the game, there's a couple of scares. Denzel Ward, the number four overall pick, looked like he got injured early on. Tyrod hurts himself a little bit. He fell on his left wrist, which looked gross. Yeah. It actually looked like he dislocated his wrist from, obviously, from our TV point of view. Uh, He got sent into the rooms, came back out with it strapped. He actually looked okay after that. 
Garrett steps up after this. Miles Garrett, defensive end, number one overall pick last year, just destroys Nick Foles, which is hilarious. Um, and just he's honestly, he's awesome. I'm so excited to watch his entire season. The defense plays pretty well. Uh, Tyrod comes back out and plays a little bit. Uh, basically, Landry sooks a fair bit. The offensive coordinator yells at him about stopping during routes. Um, Landry gets yelled at multiple times throughout this game. But Devin Kajust does a lot better. Yep. Makes a few passes. He makes a few big blocking plays. And at this point, I'm feeling like he's going to make the team. It's going to be a dream, mate. This is what's going to happen. Uh, Nasib is more worried about getting pimples than uh, and about talking about his 10% of his money investments as opposed to playing. <laughs> sideline, <laughs> and he's still talking about 10%. Literally on the sideline, still talking about it. Um, one of the funniest things in this whole episode was that Baker asks about the fact that there's a band playing really loudly yeah, in the background. A proper drum line. A full drum line yep. band. And he goes, what the hell is with the band? And then he gets told, well, we don't have cheerleaders. And he's like, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Baker. You went to the Browns. They have a drum band and mm. not cheerleaders. So deal with it. And then the very next play, they pan to him. He gets absolutely drilled in the backfield. Yep. He struggles a fair bit more. He has the front seven in his face all day long. He passes for an interception. He gets roughed up. Um, so you get to see that he is struggling a little bit, but I, I blame that completely on the offensive line. Yep. Look, they end up winning. However, it was five to nil. Yeah. So it was one of the most boring, would have been, I didn't say it, but would have been one of the most boring games in the world to watch. So the defense won that game. Then after this, he has a really mature press conference, I've thought, and he mentions about how he has such a long way to go and, he, um, and he's got a lot to learn and it was great to get some reps. Uh, and they had this weird, caduced uh, close-up to finish the episode. Closed his eyes with beachy music in the background as they fade out of the episode and Caduced explains his crystallized healing um, yeah. ideas about he's this crystal heals. He's showing this. all his crystals in his house and this one's for making your mind clear. In the, oh, no, Maybe like, he needs to come on for Nassib for like this one makes you more money. Uh, but yeah, so look, that was a bit that was a bit weird. But you know, each, each to our own. So people Whatever. are so eccentric and what they believe is what they believe. So that's how episode four finishes. Yep. Episode five opens with the breaking news that Michael Kendricks has been indicted on the insider trading charges. Nate Orchard and Miles Garrett are just like, what? Where did this come from? Uh, the coaching staff is all sitting around TVs like, what? And wow, like, is he going to do time? Yeah, he yes. is. Oh, yeah. They, they throw you away for that one. Mm-hmm. Um and then they have a quick team meeting and Hugh tells the team, as you can imagine, we're releasing Michael. Um, you, yep. We'll, we'll talk about it in 12 years when he's released. Yep. Uh, up next, you got Devin Kajust and he is making huge improvements. The coaching staff's really liking the improvements he's having. Maybe third team this preseason is the charm. Let's find out. Um, I was excited about him by now. Like I swore, oh, I could swear at this point that, you know what? They're going to carry another tight end. They're going to find a role for him. They're going to find a role for him. Yep. And John, Dorsey, and Hugh both are talking to him about how much his blocking has improved because that was his big main struggle. Um, They're practicing on a Sunday morning and the players are stretching on the field and next to, right next to the field is a church and they are blasting uh, John by Lil Wayne because I recognize the song because good. This makes one of this. I keep meaning to... Get you some hip hop songs. To I was going to say, you. yeah, I need education with this. Otherwise, I just, just 
think that this is just lots of swearing and drug anyway, references. John is, yeah, it's it's a bit more of a a bit more gangstery of a song. So anyway, I think it was Hugh mentions we're listening to this while they're walking into church, and I was like, yeah, it's a little weird there. <laughs> anyway, uh, Christian Kirko Kirksey is shown. I put in quotes dancing because uh, I don't know, man. It's not really dancing, was it? Mm. No. Anyway. Well, look, I can't dance, so maybe it is. Maybe. Who knows? Carl Nassib, uh, he continues to impress Greg Williams. Greg really likes him. Greg doesn't swear at him when they're talking, so that's a good sign. Must love him. They continue to highlight the fact that it's between Carl Nassib and Nate Orchard. They're both on the bubble. Um, It seems to be that they're going to go with Carl. You can kind of feel they're going to go with Carl. Miles Garrett takes Nate aside and he talks to Nate about Nate's stance when he's getting ready. And Nate, one of the problems Nate has is he has a different stance for run versus pass. You can't do that. No, that's a big no-no. Because Miles points out, if you you only have 2.5 seconds at most to get to the QB before they pass. So if you read run and it's a pass, you're behind. Because his run stance is slower to get out of than his pass stance. That's what he tells Miles. Yeah, because you stand up as opposed to shooting out. Yep. So Miles is like, we we need to work on making you have one stance. Let's let's get it down to one stance because you need one stance. And mate, Nate, Nate's been in the league longer. He's in his second year, third year. You're if Miles, if Miles you're Garrett, listen to Miles Garrett. Yeah, exactly. If Miles Garrett watched him do that and knows he can do that, the other teams will know he can do that. Exactly. And that is such a tell. You cannot give that up. Give that advantage to an opposition team. Yep. Um, then Todd Haley, the coordinator offensive coordinator gives a pep talk about how important it is this week to play well obviously being the last game and not just that it's the same pep talk that everyone always gives on hard knocks you gotta impress not just us but the rest of the league because come sunday when they go down to 53 11 or 50, somewhere between 1100 and 1500 players I can't remember the exact number are cut yep other teams are looking for dudes other teams are looking for dudes so you are not just playing for a spot on the browns you're playing for a spot on any one of the other 31 teams we get a little bit more of a look at Brogan. Um, he's going to be getting some playing time this week. And then we um, we get a phone call from Devin Kajus to his, uh, to his dad. And he really wants to be at the final game. But um, his heart's given him a problem. As we said before, he's had like seven, like three heart, three heart, um, attacks. heart attacks or whatever. So he's not a allowed stroke. to travel at the moment. <laughs> he needs open heart surgery at this mm-hmm. point. And uh, he's not in bad shape either. He, he, must, looks, he must have. Looks um, better than I do. He must have uh, existing heart problems or something like that, you know. Um, anyway, so we head to Ford Field for the final preseason game against the Lions. Brogan's family and girlfriend are in the stands for the game because obviously he's going to get some playing time. Todd Haley and Jarvis Landry have their secret handshake done. We hadn't seen it before, but <laughs> no, we haven't seen it's, it. it's a decent secret handshake. It's a, it's a thing in the NFL, and it is so weird. Yeah. So weird. Um so start off with uh, Baker starts the game and he finds uh, Devin Kajust again for a 42-yard game. And then he finds him again for a second time in the series and they decide to go for it on fourth down and Chubb, the running back, gets the four yards needed for a touchdown. Um, then we don't know how many series later, but during a play several series later, Kajus rolls both of his ankles. Both? Yep. Like can barely time. walk and he gets off and he has to get his feet taped up and they do the, the tape, tape it up. Uh, he's showing kind of jogging a little bit on the sideline and he's clearly in pain, but 
he's on the cusp. So, mate, you got to play through it. And he says, you got to play through it. So well, he played the first game with like a stinger in his shoulder and played yep. the last game with both ankles twisted at the same time. Yep. So he's a trooper. Um, and then we see again Carl and Nate Orchard. They're battling for the same spot. Um, Nassib causes a fumble that's recovered by the Browns. Um, and then up next, Orchard reads a pass, like spot on reads it, and he returns it to the house. Pick six from a D-line position is ridiculous. Yep. Gives it uh, gives them the lead 25 to nothing, and that's in going into the half. Who do you choose, Dan? It's great. It's tough. Who do you uh, choose? At this point, I was still just going, Nassib just looks a little bit better, but you know. I liked him because of his financial exactly. prowess. Exactly. Uh, and then we go into the second half. Brogan's going to start, and Brogan struggles in the first drive. And that's probably because he's four-string and hasn't got a lot of reps and all that sort of stuff. Um, 12 yards away from another touchdown, and Kajus gets called for holding. And Hugh is not happy because he points out that Kajus has had like four penalties. And, you know, yeah, Kajus, you played well in that other series, but you can't get penalties, man. Yeah, it ruins, ruins the entire momentum of your team. Uh, Brogan finds Blake Jackson, who was the guy that dubbed the um, Jarvis Landry video. It was Blake Jackson. Couldn't remember his name. Um, and that's Brogan's first NFL touchdown. And he shouts out, I want the ball, I want the ball. Completely understandable. Why not? You definitely want that ball. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to be playing much NFL, so <laughs> you, you want to keep that ball, buddy. Yep. So he grabs that ball and he runs with it and he does not let it go. Uh, Browns end up winning 35-17. to 17. Uh, they are shown leaving the stadium and you know the girlfriends and all that wait and Brogan's girlfriend is there and the two of them share a moment and like I said those two are they're they very are cute clearly very in love and they're very cute and yeah. I, I like them both and I hope that they have a great future together yes I agree when cuts. I sell that ball <laughs> cuts <laughs> let's do it cuts all right oh, oh. it's brutal Elliot Wolf is the assistant general manager, and he's responsible for calling the first 13 guys to get them in. They're going to cut 13 straight away. Brogan gets the first call that we know of. Um, comes, sits down uh, with with Hugh, and um, Hugh basically tells him, you know, you're a talented player, and this just wasn't meant to be. But, you know, with them having taken Baker and Tyrod, like, it's a tough situation for you to get a spot here. And they had uh, Drew Stanton as third, who's... He's been around as well. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, unfortunately. but He needs to go to Buffalo or to I'm Packers or somewhere that sure doesn't have a backup. somewhere where he could at least get onto a practice squad, you know. Mm. You never know. Um, Nate Orchard is shown at home with his young family and his wife, and they're talking about his touchdown. He's obviously very happy. You know, he thinks he's signed thing, himself in, really. I think he feels yeah. it. Uh, Devin Kajus gets the next call. Um he sits down and he's he's the most optimistic guy you you've ever he obviously ever. held the optimistic crystals and he's you know him and Hugh and Hugh just very nice very genuine I felt he was very genuine about what he said he could juice you know you're a great player you'll probably make it somewhere it's just not here and you know they um they then show could juice going to a park and he calls his dad and could juice is he's so calm he's yeah, but the most up. awkward thing is his dad assumed that he made it yeah. Like, it's like, yeah. And he's like, no, dad, look, I didn't make it. It's like, you. <laughs> it's like, oh, you got to give him a heart attack. Uh, and then while this is happening, we go to a quick, oh my God, news is breaking. And then the Khalil Mack trade breaks. And everyone basically, a bunch, uh, Greg Seaman, Salmon, 
the tight end coach and Hugh Jackson are in the meeting together in Hugh Jackson's office when it breaks. And they're both surprised, like, whoa, they're going to give him two first-round picks for him, and they're going to pay him quarterback money? Like, that's crazy. That is crazy. It's crazy. but Well, they've got Trubisky on a, a rookie deal for four years, exactly. plus maybe an extra option. So Yep. Um, then they basically, they go, they're talking about Khalil, and they say, you know, edge rushers are valuable, and then, of course, who are we going to get? Nate Orchard or Carl Nassib? And Nate Orchard gets a call from Elliott, so they opt to release him. Straight um, after they're talking about his touchdown with his family. And yep. <laughs> Brutal. Hugh and Elliot are both confident that Nate will get a offer from elsewhere while they're waiting for um, Nate to get in. Um, Nate comes in. He takes it real well. He's, you know, he, uh, in this season, there's not really anybody that didn't seem to take it well. They, they all understand it's business, and that's what a lot of them say. It's business. Corey Coleman's the only person that didn't take True. stuff well. True. My bad. Um uh, Antonio Callaway makes the team, uh, even with his off-field issues, and he calls Antonio Brown, who's a uh, who's a friend, and he talks about making the team. And Antonio kind of gives him a pep talk, like you know, you, this is where you do the hard work. And time to rock up. You got to do this. This is you now. Um, Josh Gordon fronts to the media, and the big question is, how is he going, and is he going to take it to another level this year? And he says, life's good. Week one is his, is his focus. And they've only seen Josh at his best yet. Ooh. He was very mature with that. Yes. No, he's he, he did real well, I thought, as well. Um, then we find out that Carl Nassib made the team. Woo! And then after final cuts were made across the league, you get to see whoever else cut, and there's somebody else they want, and they opt to cut him. Mm. Um, we won't talk about Nassib. We'll talk about him next week. Yeah. And... Baker is chosen as the backup QB over Drew Stanton uh, to surprise <laughs> nobody. I thought that was a wasted wasted time in the series that they had to show that. Yeah. The number one overall draft pick who'd been doing well was the backup. Like, okay, cool. Mm, okay. Good job. High anyway, five. So we end the series with Christian Kirko Kirksey giving a speech before a church, and he's telling the church that basically he... Um, He's glad that even through everything the Browns have put fans through for the last two years and basically for their whole second existence, fans still come out to the games. And he believes that this is the best team he's played for on the five years he's been in the league in his five-year career. And he doesn't say we're going to the playoffs, but he just kind of insinuates, like, we are a good team. Thank you for supporting us. And Which is fair enough. Like, Cleveland's a sporting city. Yes, like, and they come out. They still come out and drive to watch them. Yep. So you got to give him that. And he did. And I think that's a really good th- way to end the entire series. So anyway, NFL preseason, um, the Browns went three for one. Um, they tied the Steelers just uh, last week. And uh, well, it's on Sunday. And that's it for this series of Hard Knocks. In my opinion, it was my favorite so far. Oh, I, I thoroughly loved it. loved it. I really enjoyed it. And yeah. Could also be because I've you know know a lot of the draft picks that have been picked up the last few years, the last five years. Browns had you know really high draft picks over the past five years, and so we get to see how some of those guys have matured. Um, really excited about obviously the potential for the team. Yep, absolutely. I've gotten the hard knocks bug. I'm all over the Browns this year. <laughs> I reckon they'll win way more than just one game. I agree. I think they're making the playoffs anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's that's getting hard. So next week, we will um, look at the storyline. So some of the players, you know, we'll look at Nassib, we'll look at Kajust, um, 
you know, bacon, Baker Mayfield stuff. More we'll throw Garrett on some stuff. of that. Yeah, a bit of prediction work as well. It'll be, yes, that was the next thing. It'll be different. We're going to look at their previous career. So if they've been in the league, we'll look at what they've done to this point. If they're fresh, like we'll look at some of Baker Mayfield's early stuff. But we're going to do predictions. We'll, we'll look at the guys and see what we think. And we may need to look up intangibles, Dan. We are going to look into so many intangibles. That's what I love about <laughs> Baker. Intangibles. And he's great in the media. It's very, very, very much. I want to see all their Fortnite stats. Yes. Anyway, that's it. Um, I feel very hard now, Dan. Do you? Why don't you uh, hit them with uh, what they've been waiting for for five weeks? Get hard, stay hard, my friends.